Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. Years ago, back in 2008, I found myself looking up at a statue of an immense Buddha, one of the largest in Japan, the Daibutsu, that is, literally, Big Buddha, of Nihonji is carved into the side of Kenkanzan, a mountain in Chiba Prefecture, and I saw it on the day of the spring equinox. The sky was gray, it was quiet, it was filled with rain, the mountain was a vivid green, and vines reached out and encircled the edges of the statue. At 102 feet, it's one of the largest daibutsu in Japan, and probably one of the most evocative of all of the monumental large Buddha statues that I saw when I lived there, it is the one that stayed with me the most, not least because of the perfect, rainy, empty, quiet day that I saw it on. The Buddha at Nihonji is not an image of the historical Buddha. It is not an image of Siddhartha Gautama, but I only found that later after I went home and looked up some English-language information about the monument. The identity of the figure depicted is complicated. Talking about that would be going into the weeds. But there are plenty of monumental statues that supposedly depict the historical Buddha in Japan and other countries. And I remember on that rainy green spring equinox of 2008, wondering what the historical Buddha, that supposed Indian prince who supposedly gave up his life of luxury to become a contemplative and ascetic, would have thought of the gigantic statues of him and the gigantic statues that were inspired by him that now dot the world. Would he be flattered, amused, prideful, embarrassed? Would he be angry at them and consider such things vain? Or would he, in more monastic and contemplative fashion, really not care and let the like non-monk people do their own thing and return to his meditations? Uh, we have no way of knowing. Siddhartha Gautama, kind of like Socrates and Jesus, didn't bother to write anything down. We only have the word of his followers and his followers' followers. But it was something that stuck in my mind on the day of the spring equinox in 2008 as I looked up at Nihonji. South Dakota is home to a statue that, if ever finished, will be even more massive than that Buddha at Nihonji, and indeed, even more massive than, well, any other statue on earth. It is an immense planned image of Crazy Horse, the Lakota leader who, among all the other things he did, and I'm not going to get into the life of Crazy Horse on this podcast, that would make this episode way too long, uh, along with Sitting Bull defeated George Custer at the Battle of Little Benghorn. And... Unlike Siddhartha Gautama, we have a pretty good read on what Crazy Horse would have thought of being memorialized in this monument, this monument that is a dynamite-blasted mountain that now bears his partial image. But we'll get there. Uh, the origin of this monument goes back to 1931, six years after the completion of Mount Rushmore. South Dakota was suddenly home to one of the largest and most ostentatious monuments in the United States. By the way, one of my favorite Onion headlines is South Dakota decides to put Mount Rushmore on its quarter. A member of the Oglala Lakota, Luther Standing Bear, he wrote to the man who sculpted Mount Rushmore, Gutsan Borglum. Looking upon the four presidential stone heads, Standing Bear wrote to the sculptor that it would be, quote, 
most fitting to have the face of Crazy Horse sculpted there. Crazy Horse is a real patriot of the Sioux tribe, and the only one worthy of the place by the side of Washington and Lincoln. Unquote. Borglum did not reply, but that didn't stop Luther's brother, Henry Standing Bear, an Oglala Lakota chief, from starting a campaign to get Crazy Horse on Mount Rushmore, right there next to Washington, Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, and Jefferson. By the way, um, I've always thought that T.R., as important a president as he might be, is kind of the odd man out on Mount Rushmore. Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson? Yeah, they're great. T.R., though, you know, kind of just a pretty good president. Yeah, I sort of feel like he's outclassed. But anyway, if they had actually succeeded in doing this, um, I think it would have been weird, and I also think it would have been kind of great. Uh, Crazy Horse himself, he would have probably hated it. More on that later. But I want you to imagine Crazy Horse up there with those four guys. Every time somebody looked at Mount Rushmore, again, one of the largest and most ostentatious pieces of Americana in existence, they would be forced to contend with and confront Native American history, which would probably be positive. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. The end fight scene of North by Northwest does not take place on Crazy Horse's stone face. He's not on Mount Rushmore. After the local South Dakota Lakota were unable to get Crazy Horse on Mount Rushmore, uh, a new campaign was started for another similar Crazy Horse memorial on a different South Dakotan mountain. Henry Standing Bear, the guy who tried to get Crazy Horse on Mount Rushmore, he wasn't able to get Gutsan Borglum himself to do the job, but he was able to bag one of Borglum's subordinates, a sculptor named Korchok Julkowski whose name I'm probably pronouncing wrong. The sculpture that Julkowski planned for Crazy Horse was even more ambitious than Mount Rushmore, by an order of magnitude. Instead of just showing Crazy Horse's face, this carved mountain would show his entire upper body. It would show his head, his shoulders, his torso, and he'd be pointing demonstratively forward with an outstretched arm, out to the majesty of the Black Hills. Not only that, but Crazy Horse would be mounted, Riding on a horse, they would also be carved into the side of the mountain. This wouldn't just be a carving of a chin and a forehead and a few eyes and some rock. Nope. This would be transforming a substantial chunk of geology into a polished, inspiring, equestrian monument. This thing was going to be big. At 563 feet high, it would be the size of a respectably sized downtown skyscraper. At 600 feet long, it would be longer than most city blocks. Houses, office buildings, and indeed small neighborhoods would be able to fit inside this thing. They would be tiny next to it. Crazy Horse's head alone would be bigger than all of the carvings on Mount Rushmore. It was going to be the biggest statue the world has ever seen. Julkowski began work blasting through the mountain on June 3rd of 1948. A detonation on Thunderhead Mountain cleared ten tons of rock out of the Black Hills. He would never complete his project. Throughout his life, Julkowski dynamited, moved, and disposed of hundreds and thousands of pounds of earth and stone, but not nearly enough. Julkowski took it slow, and what's more, he decided not to pursue any federal or state funding for the project, his reasoning being that that would have been an insult to South Dakota's Native American population. Perhaps. But while he was able to successfully blast literally tons of stone off of Thunderhead Mountain, 
he didn't come close to seeing the work he'd envisioned complete. He died in 1982 at the age of 74. He is buried at the base of the enormous unfinished memorial. By the time of his death, many tons of rocks were gone, but no part of the mountain looked like either Crazy Horse or his mount. After Zhukovsky's death, his wife Ruth took over the project. She continued the laborious work of turning the mountain into a statue, and speaking to the Guardian, she said, quote, The first hurdle was one of logistics. We have taken considerable time to measure and calculate the best approach to what will be an extraordinary and lengthy undertaking. We've been mindful of Korchalk's good advice to go slowly so you do it right, as well as the old adage about the wisdom of measuring something six times before you cut it once, unquote. Under Ruth Julkowski's guidance, the first part of the memorial that really looked like a statue began to take shape. And that was Crazy Horse's face, which is nearly 90 feet tall. Again, it's bigger than a lot of buildings. And when you include the headdress that he eventually will be wearing, it's bigger than all of Mount Rushmore. Ruth Chukovsky died in 2014. Seventy years after the memorial was first planned, only Crazy Horse's face is fully carved. And granted, that face is absolutely enormous and dwarfs most other statues on Earth, but the rest of the mountain is flat, carved rock that offers the suggestion of a man on a horse, but nothing like the finished work. And among the local Lakota, the Crazy Horse Memorial over 70 years has become more than a little controversial. Speaking to Voice of America in 2009, uh, one of Crazy Horse's descendants, Elaine Quiver, said that Henry Standing Bear did not have the right to just go ahead with this hugely ambitious memorial. Uh, according to her, Standing Bear should have consulted with Crazy Horse's descendants and come to more of a consensus among the other Lakota at the time. Uh, said Quiver of the developers, quote, they don't respect our culture because we didn't give permission for someone to carve the sacred black hills where our burial grounds are. They were there for us to enjoy, and they were there for us to pray. But it wasn't meant to be carved into images, which is very wrong for all of us. The more I think about it, the more it's a desecration of our Indian culture. Not just Crazy Horse, but all of us." Unquote. And when I was reading about this topic, that came up again and again, how this huge Ozymandiasian statue might not be the most fitting memorial for Crazy Horse. After all, it does involve a whole lot of destruction of the environment that he lived in and fought for. Uh, Native American activist and actor Russell Means said in a 2001 interview, quote, Imagine going to the Holy Land in Israel, whether you're a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, and start carving up the mountain of Zion. It's an insult to our entire being, unquote. And yeah, I get that. I was raised Catholic. And if somebody were to try to honor Jesus by carving his image into the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, or an image of Moses into the side of Mount Sinai, that would be pretty damn weird. And plenty of Jews, Christians, and Muslims would probably see that as more than a little sacrilegious and problematic. One person who almost certainly wouldn't want the monument would have been Crazy Horse himself. He didn't even like having his picture taken. He actively resisted being photographed. We're not sure if there even are any photographs of him in existence. Whether or not Crazy Horse ever was photographed, that's a whole other different topic. There are a lot of old pictures that purport to show the Lakota leader, but none have actually been substantiated. And probably none ever will be substantiated. So, having his image blown up to epic proportions, um would not have been in accordance with how he lived. 
And there's the issue of money. Though unfinished, a memorial, it accepts donations. Lots of people come to see the very, very large mountain that has had chunks of it blasted out of it and now has a giant face on the top. The Joukowsky family runs a visitor center on the mountain, and it's a nonprofit. They've donated a substantial amount of money to Native American causes, but it's a highly weird look that this thing that purportedly honors Native Americans and is controversial among Native Americans is run by white people. That's not necessarily damning for the memorial, but again, it's a weird look. Knowing what we do know about Crazy Horse, he'd probably, at best, wince upon seeing the memorial to him. And he'd be in good company. Weird company. Company he probably wouldn't have gotten along with. But one prominent U.S. president made his wishes about a possible memorial very, very clear. And that guy's wishes have been totally ignored. Franklin Delano Roosevelt went on record about what he wanted the memorial to look like. He said, quote, If any memorial is erected to me, I know exactly what I should like it to be. I should like it to consist of a block about the size of this. And then Roosevelt put his hand on his desk, indicating that he wanted something desk-sized. And placed in the center of that green plot in front of the archives building. I don't care what it is made of, whether limestone or granite or whatnot, but I want it plain and without any ornamentation. Unquote. And that is exactly what happened. In 1965, a stone block outside of Washington, D.C.'s archives building was installed because of some anonymous donors with the plain inscription, In Memory of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1882-1945. That was it. It was exactly what he wanted, and it was all that he wanted. Now, though, there is an elaborate memorial in Washington, D.C. with a whole host of fountains, statues, engravings, and other elaborations that run directly opposite to what the former president, in very clear words, said that he wanted a memorial for him to be like. If Franklin Roosevelt were able to see the memorial to him in Washington, D.C. today, he probably wouldn't like it. He said as much. But memorials are never really for the dead. The dead are gone. Memorials, statues, monuments, and other publicly viewable testaments to the past, they are built by and for the living, oftentimes with little regard to the wishes, the ways, the life, and the ideas of the people that they purport to commemorate, be they Siddhartha Gautama, the ascetic who has inspired literally thousands of gigantic statues, Franklin D. Roosevelt, who just wanted something the size of a desk and now has a whole complex dedicated to him, or Crazy Horse, a man who, I think, would not appreciate white people dynamiting chunks of his homeland away to purportedly honor him. When it comes to making works and images and monuments that remind us of the past, the people of the past, well, for better or worse, don't get a vote. This podcast is 100% ad-free, and it is ad-free because you support it. Go to interestingtimespodcast.com, sign up for a monthly donation, that way I can keep doing this, working for you, as opposed to advertisers. That would be awesome of you, and thank you very much to everybody who has donated and is donating already. Also, I love hearing what you think. Go on iTunes, give us a rating and review. Uh, I hope it is a good rating and a good review. That also helps other people discover the show. Uh, I am on Facebook, facebook.com slash interestingtimeswithjoestreckert. Go there and click the like button. Also, I'm on Twitter, at Joe Streckert, Tumblr, joestreckert.tumblr.com. 
Uh, you can also listen to this thing on Stitcher if you're into the whole Stitcher thing. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.